the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You've been completed in Christ. So what does that look like? We'll talk about that today as we begin our wind down of our look at Colossians. Join us, Abounding Grace, with Pastor Gary Wagner, coming up next. I would open up the box as a child, and there would be about four or five flat pieces of plastic with all kinds of parts that you had to snap off and then glue together. And once you glued all of those pieces together, it made a model, usually a car for me. But it wasn't until that model was complete that you began to really understand what it was. So you're complete in Christ. What does that look like? That's what we're focusing on today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 18. Join us there. How people live who are complete in Christ. With today's broadcast of Abounding Grace, here's Pastor Gary. How people live who are complete in Christ. Well, we have come to our last sermon in the book of Colossians. But remember what the purpose and the theme of the book of Colossians is. Paul is trying to protect the church from the seduction of synthesis. That is, there were people coming into the church of Colossae and Laodicea and Areopolis, all in the same general area, and they were trying to mix Christian principles and Christian truths with non-Christian philosophies and non-Christian worldviews and ideas and ways of life and ways of worship because they thought that is the o- that it is only when you mix Christianity with all these other philosophies and worldviews that you will have a more complete and full understanding of God's will for your life. And remember how Paul answers these seducers and how he thus protects the church. The entire book of Colossians teaches us that we are complete in Christ. That everything we need to live for God, we have in Christ. Everything we need to be reconciled to God, everything we need to understand life the way that God understands it, everything we need to know God and to know and do His will is contained in Christ so that we don't need to go outside of him or beyond him. We don't need the mixture of any other way of life added to Christianity. All that is needed is Christ, and that is the revelation of Christ and his will found in Genesis through Revelation in the Bible. Now, Paul comes to the very end of this conclusion where he gives some final instructions and some personal greetings. And there is much in these verses. 
For instance, look with me at verses 2 through 6, where he gives some final instructions, practical instructions, on two fundamental responsibilities of those who are complete in Christ and want to have their lives used by him. And that is prayer and witnessing. Then in verses 8 through 18, we see all these relationships in the early church of Colossae and the greetings that Paul and others send to the church there. And these greetings are far from, from just being simply interesting curiosities about people in the early church. From these people, we learn a great deal about interpersonal relationships in the church. Now, one thing you see in this passage with the final instructions and all the personal greetings is that they all have to do with the spread of the gospel in some way or another. You see here what is important to Paul. All of the doctrines that he's been teaching in Colossians were not to make Christians an intellectual elitist group that could out-argue, say, the Arminians. Hopefully we'll be able to do that. But what he was trying to do was to make these Christians unique and to see their completeness in Christ so they could be effective in spreading the gospel to the world. That is the important thing here to Paul. The instructions have to do with evangelism and spreading the gospel. The personal relationships and the greetings have to do with their participation with Paul and the spread of the gospel. In fact, one thing you see in Paul's writings over and over again is that he is a very affectionate man, an emotional man. He feels very loyal and devoted to his close friends. And his closest And those closest to him are deeply involved in spreading the gospel. Though he loves all Christians, that the more he sees his friends on the battlefield with him, the more he knows of their involvement in spreading the gospel and advancing the kingdom of God, especially in the face of persecution and ridicule, those are the people he feels the closest to. Those are the people from whom he has the warmest affection. Personally, I don't trust someone I don't run into every now and then on the battlefield. That if someone professes to be a Christian and yet he doesn't have any scars, and you don't ever see him out there fighting for Christ and striving to advance the kingdom, you have a reason to be suspicious of him. And that is the way Paul thought. So he was closest to those people who were out there on the battlefield seeking to bring men and women and families and cultures to the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let's look first of all at verses 2 through 6 and see these fundamental responsibilities that Paul says those who are complete in Christ and want to be used by Christ will be involved in. The first responsibility is prayer in verses 2 through 4. Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying at the same time for us as well that God may open to us a door for the word, 
so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. So here you have the responsibility of prayer for those who are complete in Christ. We have got to be men and women and young people that know what real prayer is. Remember what we talked about a while ago concerning the relationship of prayer and providence. I said God's purpose for prayer was that it is a predestined means of accomplishing predestined ends. That God uses prayer and our petitions for Him to fulfill His promises as the means of accomplishing what He has planned to do in this world without being dependent on or limited by our prayers. That is the role prayer plays. So now Paul is telling us to be devoted to prayer, not just to pray, but to be devoted to it. The word devotion implies diligent persistence in prayer. And the reason he would say such a thing is because prayer is something from which we are easily deflected or distracted. At least, I find that in my own life. We are to be devoted to it because it is easy to be deflected from prayer. Paul said in chapter 2, verse 1 to the church, I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And he's talking here about praying for them. Prayer is a struggle. In chapter verse, verse, verse 12, Paul describes Epaphras as one who is always laboring earnestly for you in his prayer. So that real prayer, intercessory prayer, prayer that counts, prayer that God hears is work. It's not just some sweet little easy thing that you just pop off the top of your head. It requires concentration. It requires devotion, diligence, and perseverance. Listen to what William Hendrickson said, great commentator. Commentator. I have, I think, I believe every one of his commentaries, and they are absolutely superb. Prayer is the most important expression of the new life, the complete life we have in Christ. And such it is the means of obtaining for yourselves and for others the satisfaction of our needs, both physical and spiritual. It is also a divinely appointed weapon against the sinister schemes of the devil and his angels. It is a vehicle for confession of sin and the instrument whereby the grateful soul pours out its spontaneous ad ad admiration before the throne of God. Therefore, beloved, be devoted to it, because prayer is so important. Don't let yourself be easily distracted from it. It is essential to the spread of the gospel. Then also in verse 2, Paul says, not only be devoted to prayer, but be alert in it. Keep watchful in it. That suggests that there are dangers to watch out for. Be alert. Be on your guard. Keep watchful in prayer because there are going to be dangers coming at you 
from two directions. And the first is, because we are sinners, we often could care less. So that we just neglect prayer. We just let it go. After all, no one knows anyway, right? We can tell other people, oh, we're praying for you and not really pray. We can just let it slide because of our negligence and carelessness and laziness. So be watchful. Be alert to that. Then also be alert to the fact that our minds can become dull and our thoughts can be distracted and think of all kinds of other things instead of really concentrating on the issue of prayer to the Lord. And here is what alertness is. Alertness in prayer is a disciplined focus and commitment to fervent prayer that involves the concentration of our whole being. So when you hear the phrase, keep alert in prayer, think of words like focus and commitment and concentration. And it takes effort to concentrate. I'm sure you all know that. And to give it sustained concentration. The reason it's difficult becomes more difficult as time goes on because of things like television and the internet. And then when you get my age, the blood flow to the brain just kind of slows down. At least that's my excuse. Television teaches that you don't have to have sustained concentration for more than 10 minutes at a time. And then you have a commercial. And then you're back to the show for another 10 minutes and then another commercial. So sustained concentration becomes a difficult thing. And yet it is very important if our prayers are to be effective. And we are to be alert and awake to several things when we pray. If we are going to be alert in our prayer and devoted to praying, we have got to be aware of what our needs are. What are the real needs of your family? The needs of your church, the needs of your community, your state, your nation. You've got to be aware of the dangers that are threatening the Christian community. Are you aware of those dangers? And then pray to God that they might be turned away. There's this great story about Madame Chiang Kai-shek. When a great typhoon was heading toward Taiwan, and if you remember, her husband, General Chiang Kai-shek, was the president. She was a devoted Christian. But no one could seem to find her for a long period of time. Then they found her actually in a closet, praying that God would not destroy Taiwan by this typhoon. And the typhoon that was headed right toward Taiwan turned and went back out and dissipated in the Pacific Ocean. I personally believe. That was largely through the prayers of this wonderful Christian woman, Madam Chiang Kai-shek. 
Those are the things we are to pray for. Know what the dangers are so that you can pray against them and turn the typhoons of evil away from us. And we've got to be alert to the blessings that we have received from God so we can be thankful to him and be aware of what God has promised to us so we can know what promises to ask for and what promises to turn into our petitions. Then also, if we are going to pray as we should and be alert and be devoted to it, we've got to know what God's will is for our lives. What is God's will for you and your family and the church for the future? Well, to know, you've got to study Scripture. 1 John 5, 14 says, And this is the confidence we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So if we read in Scripture what God says He is doing, what He has promised, what He has prophesied, and we properly interpret them and turn them into petitions to God, we can be absolutely certain that our prayers will be answered. Well, notice also in verse 2 that we must not only be devoted to prayer and alert in prayer, but we are to have a spirit of thanksgiving in prayer. It says to pray with an attitude of thanksgiving. So true prayer that is effective with God, is marked by intense gratitude. Paul brings up this subject time and again. We see it in chapter 1, verse 3, chapter 1, verse 19, chapter 3, verses 15 through 17, over and over again. He brings up this attitude of when you pray, be thankful. When you pray, be grateful over and over again because it is such an important element of our prayers. When you think of it in light of everything that God has given us. Listen to what Mr. Calvin says about this attitude of gratitude. He said, we ought not to be so ungrateful as to murmur or complain or feel offended if God does not immediately gratify our wishes. But we must receive contentedly whatever He gives. You see, that is what gratitude is. It is to say, whatever God brings in my life, thank you, Lord. Thank you, because you know what is best for me. Remember now where Paul was when he wrote those words. Over and over, be thankful, be thankful. He was in jail. And it wasn't a very pleasant prison like we have in America today where you have three square meals a day and you have a place where you can play basketball and lift weights and have a library where you can read and study. Nor was there anything that even resembled the beds prisoners have today. It was more like a bed of damp straw because you see he was in a dungeon and he was there for simply preaching the gospel and remember what he says in Philippians listen carefully to this can we say this I want you to know brethren that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel 
so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have more courage to speak the word of God without fear. You see, he's thankful. Lord, if you want me in prison, thank you. Because what is happening in the lives of other people as they watch me suffer patiently for you. So in Philippians 4, 6, he can say, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. He says, oh, I'm in this jail. But God is using it for good, so don't worry about anything. I'm not worrying about anything. Rejoice in the Lord. Turn every situation that comes into your life over to the Lord as a matter of prayer. Give Him the desires of your heart. Express to Him supplications and needs and requests. And make sure that everything you say is marked by thanksgiving and gratitude. Now, why can a man say that? A man can be grateful for everything that happens, everything that happens in his life, because he knows God's hand is in it, because of Romans 8.28 that says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Well, notice now in verses 3 and 4, He tells us something specific to pray for. He says, pray for the preachers and for preaching. Praying for us at the same time as well, that God may open to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I have been imprisoned, in order that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Now listen to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. And you'll see this from a parallel passage where Paul asked people to pray what he would like in reference to himself. Notice the similarity. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petitions for all the saints. And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now notice what he is asking in Colossians and Ephesians, what he is asking Colossian and Ephesian Christians to pray for him. And every preacher should covet the prayers of his people. He is praying, first of all, that the obstacles in the way of preaching the gospel might be removed, and that more and more doors of opportunity for preaching might be opened up to him, and the persecution, rather than being an obstacle, might be an open door. He's praying, open up doors of opportunity for me to preach and teach the Word of God, no matter the consequences to myself. Then he is also praying that he is so anointed and blessed And his preaching be so blessed by the Holy Spirit that he would give him the ability to preach the gospel that is beyond unaided natural ability. That is what you pray for when you pray for a preacher. 
That is what I would like you to pray for me. Pray that God would remove obstacles and open as many doors as possible for the preaching and teaching of the word of God. And then pray that the Holy Spirit would so bless my preaching that I would be able to preach the gospel beyond the unaided natural abilities of myself to speak. That there would be supernatural anointment from our living God. Paul uses a a specific word here also and he says that I may make it clear. As I ought to speak. And the word clear can be translated in in a variety of ways. He's saying pray for me that I might preach clearly. That is plainly. That the people might be not confused about the gospel. Because of some poor way that I may possibly present it. Help me to preach clearly and plainly. And help me to preach boldly. And that is without being afraid of men's faces. Help me to preach graciously, that is to speak the truth in love. Then later in the following verses, he says, help me to preach wisely. Well, that's all the time we have today. This has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. If you'd like to review today's broadcast, we would invite you to contact us for a copy of the program. They're available for just $5. Mention today's date and we'll send a CD your way. Here's where to write to us. PMB number 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That's in Los Gatos, California. The zip code is 95032. Again, that's PMB number 402-1484, Pollard Road. Los Gatos, California, 95032 is that address. Our phone number, if you'd rather call, 408-866-5607. That's 408-866-5607. Our website is reformedheritage.org, and if you'd like to join us for worship, Sunday services are at 2 p.m. We meet at the Lone Hill Church on 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions at our website, reformedheritage.org, or again call 408-866-5607. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you next time we get together as we continue our studies in God's Word. Until then, may Christ be your abounding grace. Amen.